You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. I'd like to welcome this week's panel. It's a pleasure first of all to be joined by Donnie Robertson. Donnie, welcome to the show, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, nice to be back. Uh, it's been a while but uh, as I was saying, I think the last time you had me on Rangers lost uh, and here we are again so I'll have to pick your, pick your time in the next time. One side of the one side of the panel isn't the isn't the happiest, but there is a, a happy member of the panel. We are delighted to welcome our Celtic correspondent Josh McCaffrey to the show. Josh, welcome aboard. It's a pleasure, and you're probably the happiest of the three tonight. Yep, uh, certainly it looks like it's so far uh, buzzing to be back on here. And let's get talking about the game. Let's get talking about the game. If you are if you are maybe away shopping for the the Sunday, why would you be away shopping in a day like today? But Rangers did play Celtic. It was a via play cut final at Hamden. It ended Rangers 1, Celtic 2. Kyogo Furuhashi with a double and Celtic lifted their second straight via play cup. Josh, let's we'll get through the game in stages because there's a lot to get through. It's like any yeah. other Rangers Celtic game. It was very, very action packed. I thought there was a lot of lot of intriguing talking points to go into. First things first, Celtic obviously won the game. What was your thoughts? What was your overall takeaways from the game? We'll get into everything individually, but if I was to ask you, what was your main thoughts in the game? What would it be? Overall, I think Celtic were deserved winners. Um, the 90 minutes, they were better than Rangers. There was a spell between about 60 and 80 where Rangers came in top. But overall, Celtic created the more chances. They played the better football, and I think they were, like I said, deserved winners. Kyogo uh, got his two goals and proved why he's the best striker in Scotland Rangers. They, their changes did make a difference, but overall, I think Celtic deserved winners of the game. And uh, now, first piece of silverware in the cabinet this season. Tony, on the other side of it, obviously, with Rangers' point of view from the game, we'll get into something we agreed off. We agreed off air. Your overall takeaways from the game from the other side. I mean, obviously disappointed. Um, cup finals have been few and far between over the last. Um, few years so to get to the cup final and lose to your rivals in the manner that we did is disappointing I mean okay Celtic probably were the best team um, and took their chances but as a Rangers fan it was just the way we set out and the way that we let Celtic play their type of game I think we just made it too easy for them so disappointed but I'll get over it Let's get into the to analysing the whole game. There's a lot to get through. Firstly, Josh, the first half, Celtic obviously get their goal in the first half through Kyogo just before half time. I think I know you do that the goal came at the right time for Celtic. Celtic were you could argue the team the team line Celtic I thought I think started exactly as we thought. Maeda, Jota and Kyogo, the midfield three kinda of, what first half. They were keeping the ball better. They kind of bossed the first half. I thought the midfield were, were really good. They were just keeping the ball well. That ball retention was was really good. Rangers, on the other hand, didn't keep the ball well. They were very sloppy. They didn't create much. Celtic created quite a, a probably a couple of chances. Kyogo's head, and then a couple of minutes, of, a couple of minutes later, obviously scores a goal. First half, I think Celtic were the better team. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the starting eleven was the strongest Ange Postecoglou could have named. I think the one dilemma he probably had was whether it was going to be Aaron Moy or Matt O'Reilly in midfield. He chose Moy. I think Moy was all right. He played some nice combinations in midfield. He likes that Tati McGregor. Like you say, Celtic were more accurate, more fluent in the passing, and they got on the attack more in the front foot, creating opportunities for themselves. Obviously, Kyogo got his goal just at the right time, just before half-time. That's when you'd want to score in the first half, apart from like a minute. And so I think Celtic, they were on the ascendancy throughout. They got more and more into it as it went on. Kyogo's header, like you said, came about, I think it was about half an hour in that kind of mark. Then also, it was just a warning shot to Rangers that this is what Celtic can do, this is what we can create, and then obviously go on and get the goal at the end of the half. Donny, from a Rangers perspective in the first half, the first thing when we said there about Celtic's team sheet being exactly what we thought it would be, Rangers, it was uh, we were obviously thinking about the the potential. I think nine out the nine out of eleven places were kind of confirmed in the team sheet. The two was obviously Tillman and Lundstrom's additions. They were obviously included in the starting lineup. Reaction was very telling because I think everybody in their dog thought that uh, Nicholas Raskin would play. It was very I I when I saw Celtic's team sheet, I was thinking that that's exactly what I thought Celtic's team sheet would be. When I looked at Rangers, I was like, Oh, that's a bit weird because you're then with Lundstrom, Tillman and Kamara, thirty three percent of that midfield is fully fit. Thirty three of that thirty three percent of that midfield are fully mobile. And it showed in the first half. I thought Lundstrom in particular was a mile off it and I thought it allowed Celtic to dominate the ball in the midfield and keep the ball well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was quite angry when I saw the team news because Bealball up until now has been very positive. It's got us the results after some shaky starts, but we've been playing well and we're getting the results. He wanted to add in January people who would come straight into the first team and effectively they did. And then we get this team news, and he's almost gone against it. As you say, Tillman was 50% fit. Lundstrom was 50% fit. That's that's a man down against the set of midfield. You know what they're doing. And that's what I said. It just played into their hands. I think that goal could have came at any time in the first half. Rangers would have been really lucky to go in uh, level. Um, they, they definitely had the chances. I think Rangers did have one chance from memory, but... Um, it was a lot of one-way traffic um, and Rangers just couldn't cope. And effectively, it wasn't until it was too late um, that they did start to come on to the game. But yeah, disappointing team news to go with those three midfielders and it just passed them by. And we just gave ourselves a hotbell battle after that. Celtic came out in the second half, so the Rangers both sides, I thought, had their share of the play for the first 10 minutes. And then brilliant bad play between... Hatate and Aaron Moy and Kyogo makes it too. Very similar in terms of the first goal. I thought Rangers defending was very sloppy, but brilliant movement again from Kyogo. Brilliant link-up play between Hatate and Aaron Moy. And it looked like that was that was game over, Josh. It was a, a really good second goal, actually. Yeah, it was. Um, brilliant combination playing. Brilliant ball through for Hatate. He's been brilliant this season and obviously Kyogo bundles it in mm-hmm. uh, from close range you couldn't really miss just like his first uh, I think at that point Celtic fans and some Rangers fans well, I don't know about yours would have thought right game over that's it Celtic will just go on to dominate this now but Rangers did get the glimmer of hope with the Morello school and I also I think the changes uh, certainly altered the flow of the match Raskin came on uh, I think there was a tackle it may have been right at the end however but um, he, he went right through uh, I think it was Matt O'Reilly it may have been or Leila Bada he went right through and put the ball out for a throw and that was just uh, encapsulated those changes and what they brought to that midfield. Todd Cantwell 
won the free kick in the edge of the box for Tavernier uh, after the Morelos goal and that was unlucky for Tavernier it went straight into the wall um, if Rangers scored and equalised I think they could have went on to win that game in extra time because I think the changes Celtic made bringing on Iwata and O were very much defensive ones um, Iwata came on and changed to a double pivot in midfield before 2-3-1 get that stability win the tackles win the more battles in the midfield which they weren't doing when Rangers made the changes O also allowed them to go long played more defensive he held the ball up well uh, so took it into the corner and Haxaban which I think he made a difference on the break on the counter attack he had quite a few chances he put one wide right at the death but the second half I think Celtic dominated the first 15 then Rangers got into their stride after they made the changes they got their goal after Celtic did to make it 2-1 then Celtic last 10 minutes took control and saw out the game professionally Donny Rangers obviously the, the changes lined up the Jack uh, Raskin and Cantwell but very very interest, interesting was that the fact that they were getting stripped before the goal now yeah. I remember speaking to who I was who was watching the game with, and I well it was two 0 and Morello scored. I'm thinking he's going to change his mind. He's going to send one of them back because he really Michael Beale really needed to bring those three midfielders on. No matter what, I'm actually surprised they lasted that long. I thought at half time, Lundstrom in particular, I thought was miles off the pace. I think it has been a lot of times this season. Tillman wasn't really getting anything going. Kamara in particular, I thought was he can have these games where he's just he's dallies and dallies he's not really involved in the game when he's not it's not going his way you can see him just kind of pattern out of games but Rangers get the goal as Josh says Morelos scores the goal from the corner Rangers bring on obviously the three midfielders and it's a completely different Rangers setup for the next 20 minutes and they go on to the boss of the game I thought Celtic were Celtic were dallying and dallying a wee bit Rangers were making them struggle Rangers just couldn't get in top just, they couldn't get that equaliser that was the only thing they were doing everything else they just couldn't get that goal. And they could you say, I don't think they deserved it because they weren't really creating much, but they were certainly getting into the game. They were trying to get a foothold after that goal and those changes. Yeah, absolutely. You could see the intensity levels changed once that midfield was um, rearranged. And that's what leaves the bitter taste in the mouth that had we started like that, we might have gave ourselves a fighting chance. Um, but to get back in the game as, as quickly as they did was good because yeah, 2-0 I was ready to pack it in and um, we did get back into the game and we had our best spell I think what cost us was probably the change after that when he took Morelos off um, because Trolak's a different type of striker that doesn't really give the defenders the same sort of problems um, and I think once that change was made we'd almost run out of ideas um, maybe putting Sakala through the middle and Maybe getting the ball more to him and making him run at the defence uh, might have made a difference. Um, but there was too many people off it. Um, and when you go 2-0 down, you're chasing the game. Even at 2-1, I think, as I say, we ran out of ideas and we started to leave holes at the back, which Celtic you know, could have easily scored another one um, but, but rode it out. But the, the the intensity in midfield was clear once those changes were made, which was positive going forward, like some Raskin and Cantwell. Um, you know, they'll get the rest of this season and hopefully be ready to go at the start of the next season. It's, it's pleasing um, as far as that's concerned, but we've got too much deadwood in that team. Um, if you look back to Gerard's first season, there's a lot of names that are still in the club that are a lot older now and just way off the pace as far as Scottish football is concerned. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. Josh, obviously, Donnie makes a good point there. That I, I, I kind of had the belief as well that when Morelos went off and Cholak came on, it kind of killed Rangers' momentum a wee bit because Rangers were having to change. Morelos was, I thought Morelos had a poor afternoon apart from his goal. And after that, 
Morelos was beginning to find his feet. He was beginning to come for the ball. It was, it was beginning to kind of work for him. And then obviously Bill takes Morelos off and brings Cholak on and it's all get the ball high and it just didn't work. And then I thought from there on, up, up until the final whistle, I thought Celtic's game management was really good. I thought they were getting fouls, they were drawing fouls, they were getting the ball up into the corners, they were getting maybe in a better day, they would have maybe had the finishing boots on and, and scored a couple of more goals, hacks a benefit at the end in particular, he's just, he, he's just a wee bit wide. But I think that was very telling at the end when Celtic were under the cosh for a 20-minute a period, they then turned it on and they were able to just see the game out and I think that's a really telling story of this game. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's a really telling story as well of just Celtic and Rangers in general at the minute that Celtic are able to do that and hold out in the manner they did. I think you're right, Morelos coming off, he was in the ascendancy a bit and then he was very frustrated when he came off. I think they showed it in Fireplay, yeah. kicked the water bottles, uh, shows he was really annoyed. Cholak didn't do much when he came on. I can't even recall him getting any shots on goal. I don't think, I don't know if he did, but... Uh, he wasn't the greatest. He wasn't the greatest either in the games he's played against Celtic, um, but neither have Rangers, uh, apart from really the game at Ibrox. But um, I think, yeah, Rangers, it's telling, yeah, you're right, that Celtic are able to hold out for that 20-minute period, then come back on top and turn on the style towards the end that they are more dominant and they can do that in games that Rangers quite aren't at that stage yet of their process, of their kind of rebuild. And I think the next six months or between now and the end of the season, three months even, it's just about them getting Beal's style of play correct in it, getting the players playing, guys like Raskin can't well. And I, don't, I think as well with the team you mentioned, um, it was a surprise to not see Raskin and Cantwell in part of Beal's thinking might have been it's a cup final, they've only played a couple of games for the club, they may as well they might sit them out this one give it to more experienced guys in there like Lundstrom uh, and Kamara, however... I think it was the wrong decision in the end. I think you both agree with that, as we've said so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah. now, between now and the end of the season, it's just about getting those guys bedded in, getting them playing more games and seeing what Rangers can do in the summer with the rebuild. Obviously, like you said, Donny, there's a lot of deadwood at the club. That needs cleared and Michael B. has a massive job in his hands come the summer. And that's where I was wanting to get Donny's thoughts because when you, when you think of this team, when we were hearing when Michael Beale came in, it was... He was coming in to get the best out of the current crop of players. That doesn't tell me rebuild. But the signings of Cantwell and Raskin were very telling because he then says these are first-team additions. I want to bring these in as starters. And you don't start them in potentially your biggest game of the season. And they have shown enough, Raskin in particular. And what I've seen of Raskin, he's exactly what Rangers need. He's that dynamic box-to-box midfielder player. When he was losing the ball, he was. you see that today as well. He was straight away trying to get it back. I don't think the Celtic midfield as well. I think it was very telling, as you said, about a water coming on, Josh. Hatati didn't wasn't able to. It was it wasn't finding Raskin that that clever. He was struggling with him a wee bit. Cadwell was finding wee pockets of space. Jack was controlling the game. What do you think going forward, uh, Donny? Because as we say, I I think the league is gone. I don't I don't see Rangers calling back a nine point gap. I think Celtic are too consistent. But this has always been about. This season is the the building blocks towards next season, where it's going to be a proper rebuild. We're, we're going to see a new a new look. Michael Beal side. Morelos is going to be out a contract. Kent's going to be out a contract. I don't see both of them staying. I can see one of them staying. I don't see Morelos staying. What does this? What does a result of this do for that? Because it's it is obviously a negative. It's a massive setback. It's a massive defeat. But what what do you what do you take away from today as opposed to the looking towards the future? The main takeaway was that 
the team is is finished in in its current shape. Uh, we've got too many passengers. There's too many um, people at the end of their cycle, um, and I think it was definitely Raskin that was the the missing piece um, in that midfield today. I can I can understand the Cantwell uh, being on the bench because Sakala has been playing okay. He's had form against Celtic before in the semi final, um, and he can cause problems. So I can appreciate that one. In terms of making a change, but I think it was quite unforgivable to go with the midfield three that he did, um, and to leave out Raskin, who has played the last couple of matches, so there wouldn't have been any fitness issues. He could have easily paired up with one of them, and then you could have changed them at half time, um, and and you would have been better. But it needs a clear out. We have had a lot of injuries this season. Don't get us wrong, um. We've got a lot of players waiting in the wings to come back, but I think you will see like some Morelos leaving, um, Bloomstone, Kamara, Jack, you know, Arm Arfield. Um, we've got Suter, who's um, obviously got a long term injury. Roof, who plays a game and then misses five. Um, all of these guys need to um, be rotated and freshened up. Now we saw signs of that in the January window. Uh, and as a Rangers fan, I was happy with the changes that he made. We need the same again and more um, in the summer, and we need to be ready to go because injuries is only half of the half of the problem um, this season. There's been too many abject performances um, that's led us to the position that we're in. Josh, can a final point before we, we move on to the, the other games over the weekend? Two players I wanted to single out and get your thoughts on was Dyson Maida, who I thought his work, work rate was spectacular today. I thought he was every, he was covered every blade of grass. We spoke to somebody earlier on and we said about on the ball he wasn't the best, but off the ball he was just everywhere, just every everything he could possibly do to, to keep Celtic in the game. I thought he was magnificent. Another player I wanted to point out was Alistair Johnson, who obviously came in in the January window. He is a very interesting one. Obviously, he's replaced Juranovic. He offers something different to Juranovic that he's going for. His game control, I thought, was brilliant today. But what I thought he was good at as well as he, he controlled Ryan Kent in particular brilliantly. He was just... His defensive... He just defending today, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was, I thought he was a man of the match, actually. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think Celtic have won a watch with Alistair Johnston. He's fit seam, fitted seamlessly into the back line since he joined the uh, back in January. Obviously, he was flung in at the deep end. I think he made his Celtic debut at Ibrox um, yeah. back in January and he, he very much impressive there. But today was even better, like you said. He muted Ryan Kent, kept him quiet throughout the game. He's very good physically defending Johnston. He's not as he's, he's not as silky as Juranovic in terms of overall play, but in terms of like defending, he's much taller, he's much more physical. He'll go through an opponent for a slight tackle. He's willing to do that more than Juranovic, in my opinion. And he's got legs. He can sprint for days. His recovery pace is really good. And he can yeah. get up and down that right-hand side. Um, he put a good cross. It was he who put the cross in, actually, for Kyogo, uh, for the header. So he could have had an assist there. Uh, but, yeah, for two and a half million, it's more great recruitment for Celtic. I've said it countless times on here before. I've said it my columns. The recruitment at the club is brilliant at the minute. Um, and Maeda as well. He was like you said. He was. He never stopped really. I think I've said what as well. Ange Ball. If it was encapsulated in a player, I think it would be Dyson Maeda. He never stops running. He's full of energy. But today, he kind of lacked that kind of composure on the ball. Yeah. Uh, that we've, we've seen him since the World Cup. He's came in. He scored absolutely. He scored a belter at uh, Hibs Easter Road. He scored at Ibrox. But they just didn't have that composure. But nevertheless, he contributed brilliantly up and down that left hand side. He was showed his pace. Showed vivacity. He was. 
pressing brilliantly, contributed very good defensively. A lot of people were saying maybe they'd have started a bad on the right and then shot on the left, but I think you can't really take out Dyson Maeda at the minute. He's so crucial to the way Celtic play. Uh, for the first goal as well, I think he, I don't even know what he done. I think he swiped the air, and that proves that he's, he kind of lacked that composure. Uh, but overall, I think he contributed really well today. Final point, guys. We hear a lot. We hear a lot after Rangers Celtic games about the the referee. I thought he was good today. I thought there was. I thought he got very little wrong. I know that there was there was a lot of scrutiny under his his appointment and has how his performance would impact the game. MD and Tad, I thought he had a really good game actually. Yes, absolutely. Not, I don't think there was any VAR incidences no, or nothing. I, it was. I was. Yeah. I, th- I think it's always if the referees are a good game, particularly in this fixture, I think they always deserve a mention. Josh, that fair to say? Yeah, I would say I think Nick Walsh is really good. I'm a qualified Cat 7 SFA referee, so I think when the referee doesn't get a mention in a game, uh, you know they've had a good one, so that's all yep. for Nick Walsh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, and Celtic obviously have won the Via Play Cup. Josh, is that a, is this the first leg of a treble? I hope so. Um, I certainly hope so. I think the league is certainly it's really hard for Rangers to recover. Uh, nine points behind, very hard there. I think the Cup, Three games to go in that. If Celtic got to win the treble quarter-final at Tynecastle, then they will probably meet Rangers at one point, um, you'd like to think. So we could have another one of these to talk about at Hamden. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yep, absolutely. But congratulations to Celtic winners of the Via Play Cup. We have some news that has just broken while we were recording this show. I don't think we're surprised by this. It's been in the been chat all day. The day United can tonight confirm we have parted company with Liam Fox, who leaves his role as head coach by mutual agreement. Obviously, that comes after Dundee United's 4-0 hammering away to Ross County yesterday. Donny, I don't think we're surprised with this news, are we? No, I've said it on uh, our podcast for for weeks now. They've been a dead team walking, um, and it was only a matter of time. I'm surprised they've not done it sooner. Um, But, yeah, 4-0 to your closest rivals at the bottom of the table. You You really have to get shot. They will struggle to stay in the league. But if they get the new manager bounce, bottom six could be kind to them. But um, it's been coming, and I don't think anyone's surprised. Josh, obviously this news isn't a surprise, but during the week, if you've been on Twitter, you've been in social media, you've seen the Dundee United story, the now is not a good one. The the owner's under a lot of pressure. Uh, Ogden to get his parted company with Liam Fox. There's also a lot of clamour to get rid of uh, Andy Asgard. The sporting director, it's not a good place, Tanadice, at the moment. No, it certainly doesn't look like it. I think the appointment of Liam Fox was certainly a risky one, and it's, the risk certainly hasn't paid off. Um, now he's left the club, it's not a surprise, like we say, um, who they'll get in a caretaker based on all if they get a new permanent manager, I'm not sure. But like you say, the club is in a terrible state. I think it was the AGM midweek, was it? And I think one of the comments was, um, we don't care if we go down because we'll come back up again. Um, I think that's a... That's, I a, don't know if that, that's, that's not a, an attitude for Scottish football. That's it's a concerning comment. If you're a Dundee United fan, you would be you'd be livid at that, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the club is in a bad state at the moment. Donny, I've got I've got this thing, wait, and we'll get into this with another manage, potential managerial appointment later on. Bringing in guys as caretakers, like we've seen it obviously with Stevie Hamill at Motherwell and Liam Fox at Dundee United, Barry Robson's obviously now at Aberdeen. Two of them have got the just Kettlewell is another example, obviously Motherwell at the moment as well. You're bringing guys in as a caretaker and hoping that they get the best out of the squad to appoint them and be the cheap option. 
that is what's going on. And yeah. if people say that's not what's happening, that is what's happening. That is that is a very risky business because if you are if you're dismissing a manager because he's struggling for results and struggling for form, bringing in an inexperienced manager and hoping they get a bounce and then just appointing them permanently puts massive pressure on that manager. Liam Fox is another example. This is not the first. This won't be the last. We'll see this in Scottish football. It never. It very rarely works. David Martindale was one of the very few examples I can remember where you brought a guy in, promoted from within, and it's worked out. It very rarely happens, particularly at a big club where there's so much pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a team that finished fourth last season, got into Europe. Um, they have got a fantastic squad on paper, um, but they are four points adrift. Uh, having lost, they've had heavy, heavy defeats uh, against a lot of the teams around them. That is going to need a big turnaround, and you're going to need a good footballing, you know, guy in there, a lot of experience to try and at least save them. Um, and if they can't do that, then you're probably looking at another appointment in the summer. Uh, somebody who's good in the championship that can um, do a turn there. But as I say, we've seen it coming for a long time now, but there really is turmoil at that club. There is that. One club who are in a bit of a, a good run now are Ross County, obviously, after that 4-0 win, aiming both of a double. Josh, we've spoke a lot on this show in the past few months that Ross County's biggest problem was goals. Eamon Brophy's come in, he scored a double yesterday, Simon Murray, Jordan White, there's a lot, there's, they now have a bit more depth in terms of the forward options, and it's beginning to work, it's beginning to, to work from Malcolm McKay. Yeah, I think they identified a problem um, just for the January transfer window, uh, that they needed goals, and they've signed Eamon Brophy and Simon Murray, and it's worked really well for them, Brophy yesterday was brilliant, uh, two clinical finishes, the second one particularly was brilliant on the break, slammed in at the top corner, but two goals and two assists, he contributed to every single goal in that 4-0 win yesterday, he's a quality player, Eamon Brophy, you know, what he brings, um, and Simon Murray as well, he, he was brilliant for Queen's Park, and a lot of Queen's Park fans were annoyed when he left uh, the club to join County, he's not, I don't, not, I don't think he scored yet for County, no. Um, not sure, no, but Eamon Brophy looks like the main man there, Jordan White also got himself in the score sheet the other day, but solid recruitment from County, Noah Kenna has done really well in midfield for him as well, Essence joining on loan for Hibs. He had a good game. Uh, so, County on the ascendancy very much. That obviously takes Ross that County out of the, the drop zone there. Uh, four points clear of the United. Ross County sitting 10th and United. Four points adrift in 12th. Aberdeen obviously got a 1-0 victory over Livingston. A goal from Boyan Miofsky in the 44th minute. Barry Robson said before the game, Josh, that he wanted a, a bit more structure at the back and to be tight. Against Livingston, you need to be if you're going to win the game. He got his wish and it puts him a step closer to getting the permanent job. Yeah, I think it was a good win for Aberdeen. Uh, we know Livingston are hard to break down. We know what they're going to bring in. Aberdeen done that. They broke him down and Miofsky gets his goal with a good finish from him. Angus McDonald at the back had a brilliant game. Yeah. Uh, made a great goal line clearance, I think. He was a decent bit of recruitment for them in January. But Barry Robson, it'll be interesting to see if he gets that job permanently. Obviously, you can kind of scrub out the Celtic loss last weekend. We can't really um, consider teams' performances when they go to either of the Glasgow sides away. But um, they got their win. Um, and let's say big three points for them. 1-0, clean sheet, goal. And Barry Robson continues to stake his claim. Tony, similar to what we spoke about with a few managers, Barry Robson obviously has in prime position for that job. Dave Cormack, we're wishing him all the best with his heart surgery. Dave Cormack wants Barry Robson to work. 
Let's let's not beat around the bush here. Dave Cormack wants because it's the best option for him. He doesn't. If you're going, he's he's had two managerial appointments, risky ones. Stephen Glass was at obviously one. You you could say it was maybe an in-house one because of the Atlanta connection. That didn't work. Jim Goodwin didn't work at all. This one he needs to get right. And if the if the guy you've put in in the caretaker role was winning games and has certainly tightened the ship at the back, that could that that could be the option he goes down. It's difficult. It's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, it's effectively the cheap option that you mentioned before. But at the same time, this is a club who are on the cusp of the, the top six. Aberdeen needs to be in the top six. They need to have those fixtures against Rangers and Celtic to uh, you know, try and finish into Europe. That's what a team of that stature um, deserves. Um, so they have had a bad season. Whether Robson is good enough, I don't know myself. But then the only other name I heard this week was Gordon Strachan, and I don't think that would be good for the club either. So uh, there's not a lot out there other than what they've already tried with Goodwin. You know, there is Martindale, for example. Um, is that a good fit for Aberdeen? I don't know. So it's slim pickings. Uh, maybe what they've got is, is going to be good enough. But certainly a good result for them. Give them a lot of confidence um, ahead of some... Well, they play Dundee United next, so that'll be an interesting one um, to go by. Yeah, obviously that means that Aberdeen go into sixth place. They overtake Livingston on goal scored. Livingston, obviously, they're sitting at 35 points as well outside the top six. But again, it's really tight in that. Between kind of fourth and seventh, there's only, I think there's only three points between the, the four sides. So it is really tight in there. Kilmarnock looked as if they were going to be to, going towards a, a big victory that would take them outside the drop zone. But a late free kick from Callum Slattery gave Mullow a point and it was a 1-1 draw at Rugby Park. Donnie, I'll start with you. Stuart Kettlewell has came in, obviously, in the, the caretaker position. He's now got the job on a permanent basis. Three games, two wins, one draw, seven points clear of the, the relegation zone. It's been a good start for Kettlewell. Oh, I'm unbelievable. So I'm from the, the fantasy football world, which, which Josh is well aware of. And, and Motherwell's a team that we write off uh, week in, week out because they've just been absolutely terrible. Uh, but since the appointment of Kettlewell, the you know, two wins and a draw, They've just turned it around um, and it just shows you what the right person in the right place can do. They don't have particularly the best squad, but he's got them organised. Um, and if they can score goals consistently, um, which is always a problem for these bottom teams, um, then he, he can push Motherwell up the, the table. But Kamarnik have struggled all season. Their away form has, has been terrible and... You know the inability to see games like this out could cost them. They're lucky enough that Dundee United have been worse, and that might save them at the end of the day. But yeah, Motherwell are, are hot at the moment, and and that counts for a lot in Scottish football. Yeah, Josh Motherwell a bit of a good run, obviously since Kettlewell's come in. Kilmarnock, on the other hand, that will feel like a defeat. They were ahead for for them basically the whole game. I think they scored in the eleventh minute, and after that. They're, they're looking control of the game, but it's a really good free kick from Slattery. Kilmarnock, I've spoke a lot about Kilmarnock in a similar form to Ross County in terms of their forward threat. I don't think they were helped with the red card to Kyle Vassell last week, but they really need to get going and start getting goals or they're going to find themselves in a bad position. Yeah, I think the goals factor is um, a big one there, but as well, I think before this game, 21 of the 23 points in the league this season came at Rugby Park. Yeah. Um, so that tells you a bit as well about how they're not able to transfer that form into away venues. Um, if they're able to do that, they could be on to something, but they can't at the minute. 
they were undone at the end there by a superb free kick and I think Malone deserved uh, probably their point and he might have even deserved a victory from that game but like you say it will feel like a defeat for Kilmarnock but it is a point for them uh, but they need to start get going on the road in my opinion and um, not just relying on rugby park Yep, I think you're right I think as well to let go a player like Kyle Lafferty and not bring anybody in is very, very that's, that's very, very difficult to go back from I think both I think both sides will be fine I think they, they both get the command that we'll need to get their away form going Murrow I think will be fine I think they've they've got over their blip although I did question the appointment of Stuart Kettlewell again I just think that's bringing a caretaker in and hoping it works out and then a couple of months later they're in a bad run and it's sat the manager again we've seen that with Murrow already this season it'll be interesting to see how it works Final game in the Premiership was the Saints Derby. St. Johnson won, St. Mirren won. St. Johnson were ahead despite being down to 10 men. Uh, Phelps got a red card, but Zach Rodden put St. Johnson in front in the 75th minute. A late equaliser from Alex Gogage sealed a point for St. Mirren, who remain in the top six. Donny, it was a a very even game. Two sides that have, have done pretty well this season, actually punched above their weight. Two very even, two very even sides, and it worked out a draw. Yeah, 100%. I think St Mirren have probably been the surprise outfit this season. Um, they're deservedly top six. Um, it would be good to see them get that run uh, of the, the top six fixtures. Um, and St Johnstown have been frustrating. They've kind of, I think they have been in the top six, then they've dipped out. If they can put a string of results together, you know, they can challenge. But again, it's all about goals. If you can score goals, keep clean sheets, then you're laughing. But just unlucky to hold it out, I think... Um, been down to 10 men, probably cost them in the end and just ran out of steam. But no, it's, both teams are, are doing well and will have aspirations of trying to finish as high as they can. Josh, and Marin obviously in a better position for top six, but in the past few weeks, St. Johnson have been a really good run. Yeah, I think uh, they were very unlucky here not to pick up maximum points. Zach Rudden scored a brilliant header, uh, looked posting in, uh, and obviously Gogut equalises late on. But yeah, I think St. Johnston, uh, a bit on the ascendancy, similar to Motherwell, uh, St Mirren obviously come away with the point here I think uh, Stephen Robinson would have probably wanted more considering the fact they had the man advantage for 45 minutes uh, but a draw probably is a fair result all in all uh, St Mirren like you said Donny they have been a surprise package this season and uh, a lot of their fans speaking to a couple they want Europe um, so interesting to see if they can get that Absolutely yeah Absolutely. Really interesting weekend in the Premiership let's move into the Championship Big result for Queen's Park. The results went in the raid in D and they are both through and Queen's Park are now four points clear in the championship. A double from Connor Shields and goals from Thompson and Aaron Healy with a goal as well. Josh, Queen's Park, 4-1 win away to Hamilton. They are now in pole position for the championship trophy. Big, big weekend for them, especially with the D and they are not winning. Yeah, it's a massive weekend for Queen's Park, especially uh, Hamilton. Uh, they were on a bit of form going into this game. Uh, they won quite a few before it. They got into the Trust Trophy final, I believe. Uh, so, Queen's Park, though, I do like the look of them uh, this season. I've been down there a couple of times uh, talking to people. There. It was a very enthusiastic feeling about that football club, I think. And uh, they've brought in, I said it before uh, in this podcast, they brought in uh, the guy from the Netherlands. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. Yeah. I don't know. But um, he's kind of transformed the football club. The recruitment's been spot on, especially when you lose someone like Simon Murray uh, and you bring in Connor Shields from Motherwell and he provides for them at the weekend. So it was a big, massive weekend for him, obviously helped by other results, like you said. Yep. Donnie Morton move into the, 
the promotion play uh, promotion playoff place as well. Leveling points with air with a two one win. They came from behind to beat Cove two one. Again, Dougie Amory, the job he's doing there is remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's tight at the top. Uh, you know, one victory can can really make the difference. I think if Queen's Park can hold on, it'll be really good, really refreshing to see uh, somebody different in the in the Premiership. And uh, likewise, eight or more ten. That's you know, I'm writing off Dundee here, but it's good to see fresh teams coming up. And Morton Air both in with chance. I actually um went to see Air. Cove, they were playing Cove, so I just took a trip around and watched them, and they won five nil. And you know, Cove just struggled the whole whole of that game, but um, they've certainly got a good team, Morton as well, and and Thistle. You know, they won't rule themselves out. Yeah, again, a couple of wins in that league can can really push you up the table. So, all to play for. Yep, absolutely. We'll move into League One. Uh, Falkirk one three one away to Airdrie. Alloa one Montrose now. FC Edinburgh three Clyde now. Peterhead one Kelty one Queen of the South now. Dunfermline two. Donny, what was your takeaways from League One? What was the eye catching result out of them? It's not a league I know very well. I will be honest, but I know that uh, Dunfermline have been uh, on a good run. Um, probably the, the most well-known team in, in that league and um, probably suffered in the last few years and um, not to be higher up than they are so uh, again if they can uh, seal promotion uh, they'll see that as a good season um, as I say I don't I don't know the rest of the league too well um, outside of Peterhead who are flandering at the bottom so I'll, uh, I'll pass on that one Falkirk are interesting Josh obviously they're still five points behind uh, than Fermline, but they're on a really good run. I think they're unbeaten in the last nine. Again, it's just it just shows you. And again, watching them against Dargo in particular, they were really really impressive. They've got a lot of good forward threats. Yeah, I think they are the definition of like we've just been saying that if you can string our run of results together in divisions like League One in the Championship, it can take you a farther sitting pretty in second. They're nine points ahead of FC Edinburgh, uh, nine points ahead as well of Alwa. So we'd like to think they have a playoff place in the bag. It's just about kind of trying to catch up with Dunfermline now, who are kind of running away with it. Five points. If Falkirk can keep up their form, you never know where they could go. Yeah, Tuesday the 7th of March, a really interesting game. Dunfermline will play Falkirk at East End Park, so that's one to keep an eye on. League 2, Josh, I think the result of the weekend goes to Elgin City, going to the league with Dunbarton and 1-2-1. Yeah, massive win for Elgin. Uh, they are still fifth in the table, which is quite decent. Dunbarton obviously really does. Uh, Sterling Albion now only two points behind them and they have a game in hand so interesting to see if they can uh, go ahead and overtake them button over there at the, towards the end of the season Donny what do you think of League 2 as well some of our results Albion now and in 2 Bonnie Rig now Stenhouse Muir 1 4th of now Sterling now and Stranrath 2 East 5 now yeah, I mean it's certainly a, a two horse race as far as it as far as it goes in that league. Dumbarton and Sterling, one of them possibly miss out. Um Elgin's probably a frustrating team. Of all the new teams we've had in the last 10, 15 years, they're one that have never really got going. I don't think they've got out of that league. Um I, I don't think they will this season, but um it's a nice place. I often go up there um with family. Um and they've just, just got a good team, but just can't really seem to progress. But as far as the league goes, I think it's just a start of those two teams. Um, I can't see anybody else making up the ground with the games that they've played. So um, just have to wait and see how that one goes. 
Yep, absolutely. It's been another interesting weekend. We have a wee bit of a quiet week ahead, actually. There's not many midweek games taking place. We've got very few going on. Tuesday night, there's a couple when uh, the Championship Dundee play Partick Thistle. Bonnie Rag play Forfa. I think there might be another game on Wednesday as well. But it is going to be a, a quiet weekend in Scottish football. And we are going to wrap up the show there. It has been a pleasure to welcome our guest, first of all, Josh McCaffrey. Cheers. Thank you very much, guys. Good Thank chat. Thank you very much to everyone who's tuned in. And Donnie as well. I really appreciate you coming on. Cheers, mate. I know it's a painful no. one. Thanks for having me. <laughs> a pleasure. Thank you very much to everyone who's tuned in. Please join us next week on the Scottish Football Show. And we'll have various content going out throughout the week regarding Scottish football. All your roundups and the West of Scotland, the women's show, will be dropping this week as well. So stay tuned for that. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers.